Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to The Postscript. Welcome to The Postscript. This is our final interview in a, a series of interviews we're doing with Pastor Sam Miles about the book of Genesis, which is the class that he teaches at Living Faith Bible Institute. And last we left off, we were having a conversation about Abram, who is uh, a key character in the beginning of the patriarchy that we find in Genesis uh, and the birth of the nation of Israel. And so we'll just pick up right where we left off. Tell us about Abram, Abram when he meets, not Abraham, not Abraham yet. He's, he's Abram. Yeah, to, he's still Abram. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. Abram meets God, um, he's met with a series of, of faith propositions, mm-hmm. uh, steps that he needs to take to follow, follow God. Will you talk to us just a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know... You see a progression in the life of Abram. So when he starts out, he's in the land of Ur Mm -hmm. with his fathers. They're worshiping other gods, but then the word of God comes to him, and and then he leaves. He follows the word of God. Um, So God gives a covenant to Abraham, and God promises to make of him this mighty nation, this great nation, through which all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so mm-hmm. this is why we see Satan now shifting, you know, his attack, shifting his agenda to going after the Jewish, the Hebrew people, uh, because that's where the Genesis 3.15 Messiah will now show up through. Um, but that's, that's the first big challenge, is the, 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 the child through which this nation is going to become a reality, you know. So that's Abraham, Abraham's complaint to the Lord is, I, how, you know, how are you going to make of me a great and mighty nation? You know, right, right now, right. the butler is my heir. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, the story, um, Sarah gets an idea to take the handmaid. Sarah, yeah, Abram's, Abram's, Abram's wife. wife. Uh, and, who's, and not, she could, who's not pregnant, hasn't been able to get pregnant. Hasn't been able to have a baby. Um, use Hagar. And she'll bear, she'll raise up a child in my stead. And so they come up with a solution of the flesh. They're trying to help God make his word a reality in their life. And so that's a catastrophe, Mm -hmm. right? Sarah sees that Hagar is holding her with some contempt because she's able to give Abraham a child. And, And so Sarah reacts to that, and my wrong be upon thee, and... And, um, you know, God's solution is wait for the promise, right? right? God gives the promise, and and sure enough, um, you know, Sarah is able to conceive when she's passed the ability, right, physically to be able to have children. Why? Because it's it's the the child of promise. It's a supernatural birth. Isaac is a type of Christ in Mm -hmm. your Bible. Mm -hmm. And so then, obviously, I mean, for those of us who are familiar with the story, uh, Isaac is the promised, you know, heir, and mm-hmm. uh, and in that there's a request made upon Abraham uh, to sacrifice Isaac, uh, mm-hmm. and in faith they go, and yeah. he's gonna ma- he's gonna make this sacrifice of Isaac, which becomes uh, Isaac becomes in that moment uh, he's he's the chosen, mm-hmm. and he's the archetype for Christ. What is a type in Scripture, and why are they relevant and important to yeah. us as Bible s- students? So like, you know, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it's talking about the bad example that Israel was setting for faith, you know, the word of God is speaking, but they're having trouble following. And, and so there is a judgment that, you know, the, 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 the wages of the sin keeps unfolding on them in the wilderness. And, 
And the Bible tells us that these things happened for our ensample, mm-hmm. right? What, what was written about them is supposed to be an ensample. It's supposed to picture for us what it means to, you know, to move forward in true faith in the Word of God and the promises of God. And, uh, and you'll see you know, throughout the Bible these words like and as, you know, these mm-hmm. things that picture. You'll have some, some truth that pictures a greater spiritual reality, a greater spiritual truth. And so we'll call them pictures. This example is a picture of some greater spiritual truth. Well, also there are types. There are things in the Bible that, that, that we, we call them, you know, this is a type of Christ. This is a type of the believer. So in other words, whenever you examine their life, in studying the life of that Old Testament character, you're getting insight into some spiritual reality or some spiritual truth in the life of the believer or in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. in the life of an unbeliever. Uh, they're, they're teaching tools that we have in the, in the Bible to give us spiritual insight. So Genesis is full of types. You know, Adam should have been a perfect type of Christ. Why? Because Christ is called the second Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what Christ does in submission to the Father, right? Adam does in rebellion. <laughs> you know, the, 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 there's, he has this bride, and she's fallen into sin. And instead of getting God's solution for her fallen sinful condition, he joins her. Uh, he joins her in her sin in rebellion against the Word of God. Well, the second Adam has a bride that he wants to redeem out of a fallen sinful condition, and he takes upon himself her sin. In other words, he does, in one sense, the very same thing, but it's not in rebellion to the will of the Father. Remember, man, let this cup pass from me. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, what is it? It's not my will, but thine. Right. He does it. He subordinates his will to the will of the Father, and he enters into this future bride's sinful condition, takes her sin upon himself, and dies in her place. Mm-hmm. I mean, how beautiful is that? Uh, I'm personally in the camp that thinks that the first Adam would have had a shot at doing the exact same thing the second Adam did for all of humanity. Hmm. You know, so Adam should have been a perfect type of Christ. He he is a type of Christ right up until the rebellion to the will of God part, the word of God part. And then he's a anti-type, right? right? Uh, and then you come down to the children, Cain, a type of antichrist. He pictures for you very clearly the person of the antichrist. He is of uh, the wicked one, right? Mm-hmm. He is identified with a mark. He is a murderer. He's a liar. Uh, He is under a curse, right? And the blood of Abel cries out. And you'll see the saints before the throne of God who are butchered in the Antichrist regime. And what's happening, they're crying out for justice. And so Cain is a type of the Antichrist. Abel is a type of Christ. He's a shepherd. He gives a an offering acceptable to God. He's hated by his brother without cause, slain as an enemy, mm-hmm. right? His blood cries out. Um, Hebrews 12, talking about the blood of Christ, right? It talks about it speaking. It's a, it's a, it speaks better than that of Abel. You know, Abel's blood mm-hmm. was crying out. Well, Christ's blood is crying out. Um, you've got types in terms of the ark, Right? So here's an inanimate object, and it 
is a picture of salvation. It's a type of Christ. It is, you know, there's only one door. Christ is the door. There's only one way in. You know, God seals up the door when judgment comes. Well, we're sealed up. Our salvation is sealed up in Christ. Mm. Uh, then you've got, you know, in, in Abraham, you've got, he's the father of the nation of Israel. He actually functions in several type capacities. So he's a picture of the father. He's a picture of a true believer. You know, there's a lot that we can learn from And then just right on through the book of Genesis, right. you get type after type, picture after picture. So it was a little lengthy, but yeah, that, so that's then, an introduction. No, that's great. That's a great explanation. So then we get to Isaac, mm-hmm. and he is also a type of Christ. He's a picture of Christ. Yeah. And so ex- yeah. walk us through that yeah. briefly. Yeah, so he carries the wood, right, the instrument of his slaying. He, he carries the wood in the will of the Father, right? He is a young man. He carries the wood. He carries enough wood. Uh, that is, I mean, it's enough wood to be able to offer him as a sacrifice. So Isaac is no wuss. No. Uh, he is, he's a freak. He's a total stud, right? So he's carrying the wood that's going to consume him. It's a lot of wood, okay? Abraham is an old man. They're past, right? When he and Sarah have this kid, mm-hmm. they're past the ability to bear children naturally, uh, so now he's a young man. He's grown to the point where he is in the fullness of strength. So in other words, he had to lay himself down, right? A willing sacrifice. So just like Christ carried his cross and he did, no, nobody took his life. He freely gives it. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that somebody would be able to say, not my will, but thine. But then that's the picture Right of every believer, we've got to come to the place where we're willing to voluntarily say, Father, not my will, but thine. And we take up our cross and mm-hmm. we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, so even in that story, he's a, he is a picture of the consecrated believer. I want to take up my cross and I want to follow the will of the Father, the word of the Father. It has to be a, voluntar- a voluntary sacrifice. And so... Beautiful picture. Beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. Hard. Hard. But beautiful. Um, But we see the preservation of Isaac. Mm -hmm. And then we Mm -hmm. see him, I mean, which there's a preservation of Christ. provides himself. God provides. A sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And and Mm -hmm. so uh, as we move through the story, though, you know, Isaac has children. Mm -hmm. And so then we get get to Jacob. Yeah. And the story of Jacob and Esau. And we, there's so much, there's, again, there's, there's a bizarre can of worms here as well because mm-hmm. we see that the promise belongs to the in terms of the heritage and the inheritance uh, of the of the patriarchy yeah. it belongs to Esau yeah traditionally the firstborn would receive everything so you have two brothers yeah. Esau's yeah. born first then Jacob mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they have they have these lives Jacob is an interesting character because you kind of love to hate him I mean he's He's well, a little bit of a he's a conniver. Yeah, he's a supplanter. Yeah, that's what his name means. He's yeah. a he's a deceiver. Right, but yeah, then yeah. but then God ends up using him. Oh, mad, mightily. So, yeah. can can you let's talk? I mean, with the yeah. the time that we have left together, yeah. let's talk about Jacob and let's talk about Esau and the relationship and how he comes to a place where actually the inheritance belongs to him. Yeah, and then how God uses him uh, to produce the nation. Yeah. Really, 
Yeah, Jacob. So in terms of types, Jacob would be a type of the true believer. Mm-hmm. You know, he starts out, I mean, it's a lot about him. It's yeah. all about him. Yeah. But by the time you get down to the end of his life, he is Israel. He is a prince with God. And he's learned now to subordinate his will to the will of the Father. And so a prince with God, Israel, rules and reigns, right? Um, he is the inheritor of the promises. Well, so also the true believer. We need to come to a place where we allow what God's will says is to rule over our life. We're to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why all things are working together for our good to them that love God and are called by his name. God is at work taking the events of our life to break us of self-will and bring us to a place where we're in voluntary submission to the will of the Father. And then what is the goal? That we would, as princes of God, we would rule and reign with Christ in his kingdom. His brother, his older brother, Esau, would be a type of the carnal believer. Esau despised his birthright. I mean, literally gave up everything because he was hungry from hunting, right? right? Uh, for a bowl of chili, yeah. he gives up everything. right? And uh, the book of Jasher even talks about that. You know, the Bible talks about the book of Jasher. And, and so if... The Bible makes reference to the book of Jasher. The book of Jasher, yeah. yeah. Expl- okay, hold up. Yeah. So, ex- uh, so explain that a little bit. So, and again, this is not Bible by any stretch, but in the book of Jasher... You know, so Nimrod in the book of Jasher would have lived past the events of Genesis chapter 11 mm-hmm. when the plans for a unified kingdom come apart because of the confusion of the languages of Babel. Um, but according to the book of Jasher, uh, Esau actually takes Nimrod out. He, you know, they're all mighty hunters, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Men love to hunt. And so Esau's a hunter. Esau's so a hunter. We, He's a man of the field. We know that Nimrod was a mighty hunter at the time. Ne- the mightiest. Nimrod, yeah. And, and we get, in terms of a type, a picture of Antichrist, he's a hunter of men, which is what we see taking place in Genesis 11. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want men following God's vision and plan, God's word for their life. He's got another agenda. So Nimrod was still alive when when Esau was born, when Esau was alive. So they're, they're, all, they're hunters. Basically, the story goes, Esau saw an opportunity with Nimrod. Nimrod goes with an entourage, and, and he's just out with a, he gets separated, and he's just out with a couple of his boys, and, and Esau rises up and kills him. Hmm. And the motivation in the book of Jasher would have been to get the garments. Okay, so in the book of Jasher, the reason, Esau, the reason that Nimrod is ruling the world is he has the skins that God made for Adam. And the, the legend was, whoever's wearing the clothes that God made rules humanity. And that's and according to it. So, so these clothes, basically Noah gets the suit, right? And he gets passed down. Nimrod ends up with it. Esau wants it because he wants to rule humanity according to... Now, again, this is not Bible. Okay? Right, yeah. So, disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in Jasher... Uh, he murders Nimrod, takes the clothes that God made for Adam, and he's running for his life. Right now, the entourage is trying to find the murderer of Nimrod. Uh, so he is running for his life. He runs all the way back home. He is literally almost dead. He's exhausted. Yeah. He is about dead. <laughs> and he needs some food. Bad. Bad. And it just so happens that little brother's made a bowl of chili. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he's give me some of your give me some of your Texas style chili, and right. and the little brother's like, not until you give me your birthright, right, right, <laughs> and uh, and so he gives it. He's like, well, what good is it going to be if I die? Right now we're back to the Bible. If I die, what good is my birthright? Well, if the book of Jasher has any bearing, what's going through Esau's mind is, doesn't matter. I don't need this birthright. I'm getting ready to rule the world, y'all. Right. <laughs> yeah. So for whatever that's worth, uh, you know. So, But either way, yeah. I yeah. mean, book of Jasher aside, yeah. we find Esau in a moment of desperation. Uh, despises his birthright. Despising, despising yeah. the thing that the interesting thing is that Abraham cherished more than anything was this promise, right? Like, like he 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 changed his whole life. Yeah. So God, everything about who he was, God because calls of him this out of promise. idolatry, right? And, and two generations later, land. and out of him, all of the nations of the world are going to be blessed. And then, yeah, literally, he has a kid who has a couple twins, and one of them is just totally outside the plan. Outside, He's completely off the reservation. Yeah. He's going away. That's right in his own eyes. He's And God saw it before he was ever... See, provident, you know, God in his pre... In his foreknowledge, mm-hmm. he predetermines about Esau. Okay, you'll serve your little brother then. Yeah, it's a prophetic word yeah, about something he knew and saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we've got Joseph ahead of us, and we've got there's a lot left in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Tell us, first of all, tell us if you can summarize between now and the end of the book, and what and really how things move through the, the remainder of the Pentateuch, and we get to Moses, and there's so much ahead of us. Mm-hmm. How does God set us up? And then also, maybe make make a, a pitch for why Genesis deserves our serious attention as it terms in terms of unlocking the whole of scripture so a couple observations about you know jacob's family when jacob does come back and esau so blessed you know uh, you know that but that was a breaking point for jacob that's when he comes to the end of himself and he's just totally dependent upon the lord this is where he gets his new name um, but he comes back into the land, and it's just very interesting that the dysfunction in his family, you see it in his children. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, dad had a favorite. It was Esau, mm-hmm. right? There was, it would be, you know, whether that was a cultural thing for the time or whatever, uh, dad has favorites, and, and Jacob doesn't do a super good job with his own kids. And so there is a despising of poor Joseph mm-hmm. because he is precious. Because he's his favorite. Yeah, yeah he's, he's his favorite. And you see, you know, obviously the hand of God is on Joseph and he dreams the dream and he has the insight that he's going to rule over his brethren. And and he's young. He He's not able to communicate that with the wisdom uh, to be able to lead his brothers to be excited about the vision. And so they want to kill him. Yeah, they weren't, they yeah, weren't cool you know. with the way so, they presented that. So, so that, that idea of murdering little brother, well, that, that was handed down yeah. just through some poor fathering, right? Um, so for whatever that's worth, there's some great practical insight in terms of, man, I, man, I need to do a good job loving my boys. I need a mm-hmm. good job loving my kids. They're all different. And, uh, you know, any parent is going to have, there's going to be some aspect of each child that's going to draw you as a parent. But wisdom says you're going to lay down 
your life loving your children mm -hmm. to make sure that they know that they're worthy of a father's love, you know? And uh, it shouldn't be because of what they did or who they are. It's by, they're worthy by virtue of the fact that they're your child, right. you know? Uh, they need to have an unconditional love modeled for them. And so, you know, you'll, you'll get some practical insights in, in terms of parenting, but you look at the life of Joseph and what the brothers mean for evil in getting rid of little brother, God uses for good, not just for their salvation, but Joseph talking about types, he is one of the most perfect right. in terms of scale. He's one of the largest types of Christ. Literally, he is the savior of the entire civilized world. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we I think we'll give you like three or four pages in just line after line of all the points where... Joseph is a perfect type of Christ. Um, so what, what God, you know, does is he takes the wicked intent of the, bro the brothers right. to Joseph's destroy brothers. him, to remove him from the equation. Uh, he is, in effect, this cornerstone that this family, you know, they're building a life for themselves in the, in the promised land. They reject him. Well, the same becomes ahead, you know. And he becomes the savior of the civilized world because outside of his wisdom and the, and, the, and the work that he does to overcome death without the finished work of Joseph, no one would have survived right. this coming fa phantom, famine, yeah. you know? Uh, so that there's, you know, it's a beautiful picture. He's, uh, he's great on the throne. <laughs> You see the love that he mm -hmm. has for his brother, and he ends up not just saving them, but giving them a place. Mm -hmm. uh, they prosper yeah, in the midst of his family. Yeah, it's just, it's it's beautiful. So you come down to the end, uh, Israel is saved, but also all the nations of the world are blessed. There's right. corn in Egypt, mm -hmm. you know? So you've got, you've got a, a foreshadowing of the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 just in the person or in the type of uh, Joseph as a type of Christ. Um, making the case for Genesis um, as a class. It's like what we said in our first week. Uh, it's the book of beginnings, right? You know, what begins in Genesis, you see ending in the book of Revelation, right? What starts in Genesis in terms of the major doctrines and themes of the Bible, uh, you, what starts in Genesis, you'll see woven throughout all of scriptural. I'll submit to you that you're not going to do a good job unlocking your Bible if you don't know uh, the book, the pictures, the types, the doctrine that's found in the book of Genesis. And so it's a foundational book. It's why we start. It's in the very first semester uh, for every uh, new student starting out. You know, that's um, um, uh, in year number one. You know, it's the way the classes work is they, they rotate, right, in two-year. Right. Increments, and so if you if you start at LFBI uh, and you're on a semester where we're not teaching Genesis, don't worry. Within, within a two year the next, period, right? Within yeah. the next two year cycle, you're going to get that because it is foundational. And like you said early earlier in, in one of our other um, segments, was that so much of, of what we see in Genesis, we're going to see again. Yeah, we're going to see it again. Yeah. And um, well. And, it's kind of unfolding now. It's unfolding now. It's unfolding yeah. before our yeah. eyes, and yeah. and uh, it leaves us in a place where we we need to be stewarding the time that we have oh, yeah. left. And so there's a lot of of um, warning that comes oh, with yeah. studying uh, Genesis. Oh yeah. 
So, hey, yeah. Sam, I want to thank you for your time and for hanging out with us. And uh, we've learned yeah. a lot in a very short period of time. Genesis mm-hmm. is a big book, so big we didn't book. really do it yeah. the justice that it deserves. But we did get an intro and we did get some insight. So yeah. I appreciate you. And, yeah. and Thanks thank for letting you. me do this with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. I want to thank Pastor Sam Miles. Uh, Please join us in the coming weeks. We're going to have Pastor Alan Shelby, uh, who teaches our manuscript evidence class. We're going to talk about the Bible and preservation and just the state of the world and and the absence of truth. Uh, We're going to interview Pastor Dan Renault of Living Faith Lee Summit. We're going to talk about church planning. And and so there's a lot of really great episodes ahead of us. So please continue to join us. Uh, uh, Join us through Apple Podcasts. Find The Postscript Show through Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. But uh, we're glad that you join us and we're thankful. We'll see you next week. If you've got questions about Living Faith Bible Institute or the Postscript, please visit lfbi.org.